You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk all about books and reading. But first we want to thank everyone who's been listening. We have had such a great time launching this podcast and the response has just been great. Yes, thank you so much for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to help us out even more, you can leave a review on iTunes, which really helps other people find the show. We already have one review, and it is so nice. Thank you, especially to that listener. Yes, thank you. Okay, now let's catch up on Life Lately. Life Lately, Thanksgiving happened this week. We went to see my in-laws and stayed with them, which was really good ate the famous mashed potatoes, which I Instagrammed on Turkey Day. And it was just really nice to have time together as a family. My sister-in-law and her husband and our niece was there from the West Coast. And my husband's youngest brother was also there. And it was also really fun to see those people that we love enjoying plum. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I feel like a lot has happened since we last podcast. And we really haven't talked other than a few texts about the podcast since then. But the last time we recorded was two days before Election Day. So then I was in Missouri with my family while all of that happened. And I won't go into a lot of details on my thoughts on that, but I'll just say I was feeling all the feelings that week. And it was really nice to be be with family while that was happening. And then, of course, my daughter got hand, foot, and mouth while we were there. So she had hand, foot, and mouth while we were in Missouri and then passed it on to my son. So he had it the whole next week that we were home. So it has been three weeks since we've been able to be in preschool due to traveling illness and then the holiday. So before Thanksgiving, we just had a lot of uh, together time in the house where we weren't allowed to socialize so that we wouldn't risk spreading it. But he actually felt fine. Neither of my kids had a really rough go of it. So I decided to rearrange the house, and my kids are now sharing a room. (laughs) That has been going medium well. There's been a decent amount of bedtime (laughs) shenanigans, mostly instigated by the (laughs) two-year-old. And then just getting the house ready for, for family. Neil's parents and brother and his wife all came to our house. It was great to see everyone. We play a lot of games together, so played a decent amount of cards, ate a lot of good food, and the kids just love having family around. They get so much attention and have so many people to play games with them. They're just in heaven. It's been a nice holiday. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Abby, why don't you go ahead and go first? So you mentioned the election, and I have had a really hard time focusing on anything since the election, just because I've been feeling a lot of feelings and also trying to pay a lot of attention to news and sort of consciousness raising things that people are sharing via social media. But what that means is that I've had a hard time sticking with a book. But my solution to that was to pull out a comic book that I read occasionally, and it's serialized. So I think it started maybe three years ago. And it's just little snippets. They're actual comic books. It's not like it's a graphic novel. And I had three episodes that I hadn't read yet. So I pulled those out and read those. So the comic book is called Saga. And it's written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona Staples. And I'm not somebody who really has ever read comic books before. But I have a good friend in Nashville who hooked me on this comic book by saying, look, Abby, there's a woman giving birth in the first 
book of the comic. And at that point, I was really obsessed with all things pregnancy and childbirth. And honestly, I still really like that stuff. I mean, I teach prenatal yoga. And for a while, I thought about becoming a midwife. And then I thought about becoming a doula. So anyway, he hooked me that way. And I ended up really liking it. It's sort of a sci-fi dystopian future with different races of people with horns and wings. And I know it doesn't sound exactly like something that I would read normally. I enjoy the characters and I enjoy the story. Strong female characters, um, an interesting familial relationships, and set in an interesting world with a backdrop of its own politics. That's just really thought-provoking. Is that something that you get at the library or do you have to just purchase it? I don't know much about comic books. Mostly people purchase comic books. So my friend Jake, who's really into comic books, he for a long time had a regular order, a standing order at a comic book store. And so they would pull the newest issues of all the comics that he read and they would be waiting for him in his box when he got there and then he would buy them. And I got his copies of Saga when he was done. Okay. But Saga, they sort of write it in seasons. So every year there's a new season and then they take a break and they've been publishing them in volumes. Okay. So I just found out today when I was looking to see if our library had copies of Saga so that I could keep reading because I think I'm like 10 behind or something that they have the volumes that are published in graphic novel format. So it's all of the episodes or issues from one year all together in a book. So I'm on the wait list for the most recent one. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the next section, but are graphic novels something that you're usually drawn to, or is this like just more specifically meeting your reading needs at this moment? Yeah, this is the only one really that I've read. I've read a couple of other graphic novels, and I think it's a really powerful medium, but it's not something that I read a whole lot. Okay. It's mostly that my friend Jake got me hooked and then has been giving me these. And so nice. I was just reading them, and so I had some. And I needed them right now because I needed something that didn't require a whole lot of thought. Okay. Well, I have been, I don't know if I would call this a full-on reading slump, but I spent about a week not reading anything other than just keeping up with the news and such and just wanting to kind of zone out in the evenings. But this last week, I picked up The High Mountains of Portugal by Jan Martel. And most people probably know him for being the author of The Life of Pi, which I read that probably near the end of our time in college. One of our friends gave it to me for Christmas one year. And I really enjoyed the book, but it wasn't one of my favorite books. But I was intrigued enough to want to pick up his latest. And I am not sure what I think. I'm about 30 pages from the end. I thought I would finish it by the time we were recording, but that did not happen. And it's set up as being three different stories throughout the 20th century. So the first one, I think, is in 1904, and then 1938, and then the current one is either 1980 or 1981, the last story. And there's elements of magical realism in the book, which I haven't read a ton of that genre, and I wasn't expecting it as I started going through. So I'm reading it, and it just seems like realistic fiction, and then all these crazy things start happening that took me by surprise. Can you tell more what magical realism is? I don't think I even know what that is. 
Yeah, I had to Google it right before this podcast to make sure I was using the term correctly (laughs) because that is what I thought this book was. But then I wanted to be sure before I said that. I think it's also fantastical realism is another word for it because I think that's actually what I Googled. And then it said another name for it was magical realism. But basically, it seems like you're set in a real regular everyday world. And then and listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, because I really don't know what I'm talking about. on this front but that it seems like you're just in regular everyday life and then some clearly not real things are happening so it's not like a fantasy setting when you're reading harry potter and it's clearly this entire alternate reality and world it really took me by surprise when i was reading it just things that are clearly not real we actually almost picked this for the book club that abby and i are both in we almost picked this book to read And I'm sort of glad we didn't because I'm not in love with the book, but I sort of wish we did because I would have been really interested to discuss it with other people. And I think there's a lot to unpack. And when I finish, I think I'm going to want to read a few reviews and just try and process it a little bit more. And listeners, if you've read this book or other sort of, what is it, magical realism or fantastical realism genre novels, maybe weigh in on Instagram or by email so that Sarah can have some maybe closure and understanding around this read. Yeah, that would be great. Um, And I will say the thing that I love the most about both this book and The Life of Pi is the way that he talks about religion and he just has some really beautiful language around it and a different way of approaching it. And I remember that being my favorite part of the life of Pi was the part that was actually set in India before the whole boat escapade happened. And that's what I remember from that book. I don't actually remember most of it, but there's a few paragraphs or pages at the beginning talking about religion that's really stuck with me. And I would say same in this book so far. So that's what I'm reading. I don't know if I recommend it or not, but there you have it. Oh, I definitely recommend Saga. Well, that's perfect because what we're actually talking about this whole episode is reading. So we figured we'd go a little bit more in depth about what we like to read, when we read, where we get our books, our reading history, all that sort of stuff. So let's get into it. Abby, what kind of books do you like to read, usually read, avoid reading at all costs? I don't know that I avoid. Well, I do avoid like hardcore historical books. Not a huge fan of straight up history. But that's probably it. I mean, I have, I certainly have things that I would choose over others, but that's probably it. And I like both fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I especially love a really good narrative nonfiction book. And I think a subcategory of that would be memoir. I really love memoir as a genre, but I also really love fiction. And I really love young adult fantasy fiction and young adult historical fiction. What about you, Sarah? I also read fiction and nonfiction. I would say I'm about 50-50, that I'll go through streaks of reading fiction and then switch to nonfiction. And if I do too much nonfiction, I really am in the mood for some good fiction because there's just something really different about that reading experience and getting lost in a world. I also love YA novels and YA fantasy in particular. What I don't like to read, I don't like detective or mystery novels. Hmm. I also don't like things that are too suspenseful in a scary sort of way. I really love depressing books, is what my sister would say. Oh when gosh. we were <laughs> when we were growing up and on we went on this three week road trip pretty much every summer to various locations, but it was almost always three weeks. So I would bring a ton of books with me. My sister would not. 
And then she would want me to entertain her. And I would say, no, I'm reading. And so then she'd want to read the books that I brought. And she would complain that they were all too depressing. When you say depressing, what do you mean? Maybe give a for instance. Yeah. So there is a quote from, I also really love quotes, as listeners may find out as we move through this podcast. Um, I'll have to look up the exact book and quote, but it was from something that was like the end of your life book club, I think was the book. And the the son and the mom were just reading a lot of books together after she had been diagnosed with cancer. And the son was describing what his mom liked to read, which was depressing books. <laughs> and um, that her his mom had made the comment that um, she loved, and I don't think it was the word depressing, but books that showed the world as it really was, not as we wish it would be. Mm. And I feel like that's what really calls to me in those kind of books. It's just things that are very uh, heartbreaking, but also true that there are, that life is really hard and there are just many painful experiences that people go through as we make our way through this life. And accessing that through fiction, I think is very powerful and I really like it. I don't know if that answers your question or not. It does. I think that's a very clear explanation. I think I like those kinds of books less. Mm -hmm. I want the world to be how I imagine it, not (laughs) how it really is. Yeah. So we talked about what we like to read in terms of genres, but what about um, how you like to read? Audiobook, hard copy, e-reader, etc.? I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to bus commute and I had maybe 45 minutes to an hour on the bus each way, which I loved because I read so many audiobooks. And by read, I meant I mean, listen to. And I don't know that that's my preferred way to take books in, but it is what I did for more than two years. Um, So I love audiobooks, but it really depends on the reader. Mm -hmm. A bad reader can ruin an audiobook in a way that it doesn't even enter into reading an actual book. And the second most common way that I take books in and that I actually really like as well is to read hard copy books. And I I don't usually read on my phone or on an e-reader. I don't have an e-reader. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that you did have an e-reader. Interesting. What about you, Sarah? I almost always read it in hard copy. Neil really does not like to read on an e-reader. And we share a lot of books. I'm usually one that goes to the library because I'm often going there with the kids. And so I'll pick up books for both of us. And I don't know, it just feels easier to have the hard copy. And I know that's his preference, too. The other problem is our e-reader is currently broken. The touchscreen stopped working. So I'm definitely not using an e-reader right now. (laughs) But I don't have a moral, uh, you know, oh, I have to have the experience of holding the books in my hands. When I read things on an e-reader, it feels the same to me as if I have a hard copy. It does not bother me at all. Yeah, I don't feel morally against it. Yeah. I like the ease of having an e-reader when I'm traveling Mm. and being able to have multiple books on it. But then if Neil and I are traveling together, we would really need to have a separate e-reader. We're still bringing hard copy books because only one person can be reading the e-reader at a time. I love that you guys share books. Yeah. Andrew and I don't really do that. Well, we we do in some cases, but not as much. I love when we both read the same book because we can discuss it. Which happens pretty often because basically I read some a lot of stuff that he doesn't read because not everything that I like to read, he likes to read. Um, but there's very little that he reads that I don't since I'm the one in charge of procuring books for us. Mm-hmm. But it can also be frustrating because he doesn't seek out his own book. So a lot of times if I don't have something, haven't picked up something he wants to read, then he's not really wanting to read in the evening. He's wanting to watch a show together or play a game together. 
So sometimes I wish that he would seek out his own books as well so that I wasn't fully responsible for his reading life. (laughs) (laughs) Is he going to read High Mountains of Portugal? Because you could talk to him about fantastical realism. That is true. I could. I'm not sure if he's going to read that one or not. He's been working on some unfun bureaucracy stuff related to his job in the evenings. Mm. So he's actually been trying not to start a book because when he starts a book, he gets really into it and pushes aside all other responsibilities to finish it. I kind of love that he does that. Mm, I love slash hate it. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) fair. As his co-parent and wife I could see that yeah how that could be problematic in your actual house yes but I do love that he loves to read and honestly I feel the same when I'm reading a really good book I'm always trying to sneak away to get in a few more pages so how do you access your books do you get them from the library do you buy books borrow them from friends I used to buy a lot of books but I went through sort of a maybe a growth process around having stuff where I felt like I wanted to have a lot of books and it felt comforting to me to have a lot. And I like to have ones that I might read in the future. But then we moved from an 1800 square foot house to an 800 square foot house. And, you know, it just didn't make sense to A, move all those books and B, keep all of them because I couldn't only be reading one or maybe two at a time. And so what is the point of having that many around? Plus, we have an awesome library here. And so it really doesn't make sense to buy very much. And sometimes my instinct is still to buy. For instance, I was looking up um, holiday board books for Plum. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, we should totally get her this book and this book and this book. And then I was like, you know what? I bet the library has all these. And they (laughs) did. And I picked up three of them right before we started recording. So... I try and get most of them from the library, and I also do the digital downloads from the library. So that's where most of my audiobooks are coming from, is through the OverDrive app, getting the MP3 audiobooks that you can keep for like one to three weeks. So yeah. most most of mine are coming from the library. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, same. I am the child of two librarians. My parents met in library school. So we did grow up with a decent amount of books in the house but I don't remember a lot of new ones coming in I feel like my parents just had a lot of books and then they just stayed the same because they're both big advocates of utilizing the library that makes sense I'm also not a huge rereader so even Mm. if I love a book I'm often not planning to go back and read it or if I am I just go to the library and check it out again So I have also simplified a lot of our belongings, and part of that was going through books. And now we have a single shelf of books, not like a whole bookshelf, but an actual just single shelf that's not even all the way full. Ooh, so impressive. But yeah, I just kind of came to the point where it felt like I was having them to show that we had books, even though I wasn't utilizing them. Right. (laughs) And (laughs) I am a reader regardless of how many books I have in my house. So yeah, we pretty much always use the library. Do you ever find it worth it to buy books now? And if so, like what is your your standard for purchasing a book? I rarely buy books unless I can't get them from the library mm-hmm. and ask the library to buy them and the library says, no, I'm sorry, we can't buy them. So that happened for a poetry collection that I'm supposed to be reading for a, a book club that I'm in. And so I'm going to have to buy that one. Yeah. But I'll probably pass it along after. Um, I had a lot of parenting and birth books Mm -hmm. related to sort of the transitions in my life over the last year, and I have pared those down significantly. I bought a lot of books during 
my two yoga teacher trainings. So my original one, which was just sort of general yoga, and then my prenatal yoga teacher training, I bought those books too. And some of them I still have to refer to, but I've gotten rid of a lot of those already. Yeah. So I seldom buy books. Most of the books that I've bought recently have been the new Harry Potter play. Mm -hmm. I bought that because I thought that I would want to have it to sort of complete our Harry Potter collection and just bought Andrew a book that he wanted because he's the opposite of me in terms of reading Mm -hmm. and likes to read epic, huge fantasy fiction adult novels. And he reads them so slowly (laughs) that the last one we had from the library, we had to ask for an exception to be able to renew it a fifth time because they only let you renew it four times. So we just went ahead and bought him the next one in the series. Yeah. Because they're like over a thousand pages long and um, he goes away from it and comes back over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So that's a book that we that we bought recently. Yeah. What about you? As I said, we don't own very many books. The ones that I have really wanted to hold on to are the Harry Potter books. So that's probably half of our current collection and is actually in the possession of one of my friends right now who has not read Harry Potter. So I mailed them to her. And she's had them for a year and still hasn't read them. Oh, you mentioned this to me, actually. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine wanting to own any new books now. There just aren't very many things that I want to turn to that I can't wait a few days to get from the library. But also with book clubs, if I have to get one and it's not available, that would be the main reason why I would purchase one. And then I would donate it or put it, give it to one of the little free libraries in our neighborhood. So let's talk about how we read, both when do you find the time to read, and are you usually reading one book, multiple books? Just how does reading look in your day-to-day life? I'm usually reading one book at a time, with the exception of sometimes, like when we were sleep training plum, I was reading a sleep training book Mm -hmm. sort of here and there, and continuing to read things that were more entertaining the rest of the time. But mostly it's one at a time. And I read while the baby is playing. And I usually read before bed at night. I go back and forth between reading one book and reading multiple books. Hmm. So I would say I am often reading multiple books, but not always. Especially if I am wanting to do nonfiction and fiction at the same time, that I'll just be in the mood for something different. And I like having options. I usually read, it's been changing a lot as my kids' schedules have been changing, and there seems to be less and less open time during the day to really sit down and read. But often when E wakes up early, I'll get in some reading time while she's playing independently or eating her breakfast. And then during rest time, if I'm in the middle of a good book, I'm usually trying to read then, and off and on in the evening too. So every night I don't want to read, but I'd say I do most nights. So we are both in multiple book clubs. Do you want to talk about the book clubs that you're in? Yes. So I have a friend who invited me to a virtual book club, and that's the one that I've been in for the longest amount of time. And we meet quarterly on Google Hangouts, and that book club existed before I joined, and it's just maybe six women. So we rotate picking, and whoever's picking sends out two choices, and then everybody else votes on them. And we mostly plan things actually through a private Facebook group, including the meetings, and we're all in different places. We read a combination of fiction and nonfiction, and that's the book that I'm going to have to buy the poetry collection for, okay. or that's the book club. And then, Sarah, you and I share a book club, yes, which 
we founded together in that exact model. <laughs> so I basically copied that idea and we invited mostly people we knew from college, but then also our friend who's your friend from growing up. Yep. And then I don't have a in-person book club right now. I had one in Nashville um, that is still going in sort of a different iteration. I'm not sure they read books anymore, but <laughs> they definitely still hang out. And I have talked about starting one here and it even went so far as to send out a poll to people to see if they were interested and to see what time they could meet. And um, we couldn't find a time where everyone could meet. So that's on hold right now. Okay. What about your book club, Sarah? Yeah, well, the f- the first book club I ever participated in was in Austin. So uh, one of our friends from college, her family is from Austin, and her sister invited me to be in a book club there. And it was great. I was the only person with children at that time. And so it was really nice to just get out in the evening, talk about books, eat really good food. All of them were wonderful cooks and just have something very different from my day to day life. And I'd say that it really hooked me on book clubs, um, partly because I got to read things I would just never read otherwise. And I'd say that's my favorite part of both the book clubs I'm in right now, that I like lots of different kinds of books, but I'm going to seek out certain books on my own. And then being pushed in different directions with my reading, I think is really valuable. Like I read a graphic novel with that book club, and I never would have read a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I probably never will again. It was not my favorite experience. (laughs) But I'm glad that I had it. I also always come away feeling differently about the book that I did going in, that some books I thought I liked. And after we discussed it, I would realize that there were lots of problems with it and things that I disliked. And Mm -hmm. then the opposite would happen, too. That's happened to me several times in our virtual book club. Yeah. That that I go in thinking that I really understood and, you know, it all made sense to me. And then I was like educated by you guys. That, oh, I actually had no idea what was going on, and I like this much less than I thought. (laughs) And it's gone the other way, too. Yeah. I can think of a specific instance, and I'm sure there are more, where I was like, meh, this book sort of sucks. Mm -hmm. But then after discussing it and hearing the perspectives of the other readers, I felt really differently and much more positive. Yeah. So since moving here to Bloomington, I was continuing to participate in the virtual book club that Abby and I are in. Um, And that's also just been a great way to keep up with our friends, that people that I am not talking to on a regular basis, we meet about every two months. And just to check in on what's happening in our lives has been very nice. And then I just joined a book club here that one of my friends started, an in-person one. So we've met once to choose books. And then there's been two meetings to discuss books. But I missed the second one because I was in Missouri. So I've only been to one actual book discussion of it. But my friend that started it started it with the idea of really wanting to focus on discussing the books with women from all different times in their lives. Like there's some older women that are part of it. There's people with young kids. There's people without kids. So that's been really nice to just have a lot of different perspectives coming in. And I am somebody who, if I'm in a book club, I really do want to discuss the book, that I don't (laughs) want it to just be a social club. Um, And I really do want people to have read the book. Yeah, you would not have done so well in my Nashville book club. It was more of a supper, potluck, wine club with gentle mention of books now and then. (laughs) And I think that's great if everybody goes into it knowing that that's what it is. I love the idea of a dinner social club. I would just prefer that it was called a dinner social club as opposed to a book club. Yeah. So we've both already said that we're usually reading and that we read on a fairly daily basis. 
but do you have reading slumps? And if so, how do you get out of those? Yes, I just had one related to the election. It was reading something totally different is what got me out of it this time. And now I feel ready and excited about reading other things. Mm -hmm. So I think a slight change of genre can help. Another thing that really helps for me in um, reading slumps is rereading. And you said you don't reread a lot. Yeah. But I reread a lot and have books that I go back to over and over and over again. And that can really help me with a reading slump. Yeah. I find that I am in a reading slump almost every summer in June and July that I read very few books. So I track what I read on Goodreads, largely because I forget what I read if I don't put it down, that mm -hmm. I know that I've read a lot of books, but when somebody will ask me what I've been reading lately, I come up with a complete blank. So I've really enjoyed it for just tracking it, but I have noticed for the past several years that June and July are very sparse for any reading material for me. Interesting. I think that might be because I've moved the last few years in June mm. and July and that dealing with all of the moving, all I want to do in the evening is just zone out and watch a TV show as opposed to picking up a book that that feels like more effort to me or that I just don't have the mental space to do it. I find that what helps me is going into something that's very engaging from the start. So I read a decent amount of contemporary fiction, some of which is depressing and... <laughs> Um, just slower going reading, and that that is not something that will help me get out of a reading slump. That will make me not want to read at all. <laughs> but getting some really good YA fiction, I find that that really helps me get into it or just something fantasy, something that's a completely different world that I can get sucked into. Nice. Yeah. I also, also find that if I have a, a large stack, that makes me want to read more. So if I have a single book from the library, I'm more likely to not read it. Where if I have a lot, I'm just getting really excited about it because I'll see the next book and that I want to get to that one. So I'm reading whatever I am faster or just wanting to pick up books more often. I think that I am the opposite of that. Ooh, interesting. I think that I do better just having one at a time. And like when I see a huge stack, I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm making it through all of these before they're due. So I'm just like, might as well just crush candy on my phone or something <laughs> instead of reading. Yeah, it's a, it's a demotivator to me. Sarah, I have a question that is not in our outline, but mm -hmm. are you someone who has to finish books? Mm -hmm. So when you start them, you have to finish it? In general, I would say yes. And I definitely agree with the philosophy of there are so many good books in the world. Why would you waste your time on one that is not something that you're enjoying? But... Mm -hmm. Usually I want to give a book a few chapters just to get into it because a lot of books I think are slower to start and just take longer to get into. And then once I'm a chunk of the way through, I feel really committed to it. So it's hard for me to stop. I think that's what happened with the High Mountains of Portugal that I wasn't loving it. But at a certain point, I was like, well, I'm already 100 pages in. Might as well finish. Uh, so I would say that I am a, a book finisher, even though in theory, I think it would be good for me to just stop and pick up another book. How about you? Nope. Put it down. <laughs> if it hasn't engaged me in the first chapter, forget about it. Not going to read it ah. unless it's for book club. And then I'll usually give it more time. But I've also not read a lot of book club books because I felt like quit wasting my time. <laughs> Bored out of my skull. Not entertaining. Don't want to read it. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about our favorites. So let's start with our favorite author or authors. So for me, that would be Barbara Kingsolver. The first book of hers I read was the Poisonwood Bible, and I really loved it at the time. I love things that talk about religion. I love things that are set in a different country or time or place. 
and her writing is just beautiful. Whenever I'm reading a Barbara Kingsolver book, I feel like I am just soaking in the language and not wanting to read too quickly. I would say my favorite reading experiences are with her. I loved The Bean Trees by her. Animal Vegetable Miracle is really what got me into the local food movement and learning more about where my food comes from. And I also think The Lacuna, I know I said I don't reread a lot, but that's one that I'd like to go back and read now, especially in light of the election and what's happened. I think Mm. there's a lot of things that are very fitting to our time. There's a lot there. Yeah, for sure. How about you? Do you have a favorite author? I also really love Barbara Kingsolver, but you know, I've never read the Poisonwood Bible. Hmm. I should probably get that and read it. Yeah. But my favorite of hers is The Bean Trees. Mm -hmm. And I also love Prodigal Summer. Yes. And another author that I really love, which relates to books that we find comforting. Mm -hmm. So I have comfort books. And I'm sort of alluded to this that I read over and over and that I'll go back to if I'm in a reading slump. It's Gail Carson Levine, who wrote Ella Enchanted. Okay. And she also wrote a book called Two Princes of Bamar. They're like four preteen girls books and they're fantasy and it's usually a strong female character. Ella Enchanted is a Cinderella reimagining. Two Princes of Bamar, I don't know if it's based on a traditional fairy tale, but I really love her books and and those are comfort reads for me. Yeah, I would say my comfort read would be Harry Potter and going back and rereading that, which I'd really like to do. I'm actually planning on getting it from the library while my books are currently not with me. Have you ever listened to the audiobooks of Harry Potter? I have. I've listened to all of them. And that's one of my favorite audiobooks. So I occasionally listen to audiobooks, but it's not my preferred way to to read books, partly because it's so much slower Mm. than reading. I speed it up. Yeah. Then I think it sounds weird. (laughs) So it kind of does. Yeah. But it also is faster. Yeah. You have to pick. Yeah. It's the trade-off. But yeah, so I, but Harry Potter's, I do love the Harry Potter audiobooks. So yeah, I would say that's one of my comfort books. And another one is Cheryl Strayed's Tiny Beautiful Things. Mm, So good. Yeah, you had recommended that to me not too long after HP was born, I think, because I remember reading them at my house in Austin and just... I feel like it's what I was talking about earlier with more depressing fiction. That's Mm. how I feel reading that is just really being in touch with the full range of the human experience and feeling all the feelings in a very cathartic way Mm. and still having a very positive, forward thinking way of looking at life. I'd actually really like to reread that soon. I might get that after we're done recording here at the library. Seems like a good thing for a challenging time. Yes. Sort of in our nation and in our world. You know, when you were talking about that, I actually don't mind depressing in nonfiction mm. at all. Yeah. It's, that's just a really interesting realization. I don't love it in fiction. I feel like if I want fiction, I want an escape. Yeah. But in nonfiction, the realer, the more authentic, the more poignant, the better. Yeah. Okay. How about books that you are likely to recommend to others? Do you have any top ones that you like to suggest to friends and family and strangers? Yes, this just happened with my sister and brother-in-law. Everyone who asked me what book they should read, I recommend Ready Player One. Yeah. Which is one that you recommended to me, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And it is unlike books that I usually read, but it's super fast-paced, super compelling, and I think has really good themes around difference and the other and like ideas about class and money and it ends up really surprising and there's like 
this background of this video game and virtual reality, which is, like I said, not something that I'm usually interested in. But listeners, if you haven't read it, I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, that was on my list to say was that Ready Player One is one of my top. I have not recommended that to anyone who hasn't loved it. I'm sure there are people out there, but I feel like it appeals to so many different types of people. And it's just, oh, it's just so good. It's so good. I second everything Abby says. And that's one where I finished reading it. And then I downloaded the audiobook because I was like ready to listen. <laughs> is it a good audiobook? Yeah, is it's it a good solid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not amazing. You know, as audiobook readers go, Jim Dale with Harry Potter is tops. And then yes. Lynn Redgrave reads The Two Princesses of Bamar audiobook. Uh-huh. And that's really awesome, too. And then I also like it when authors read their own books. Yeah. So Liz Gilbert reading Big Magic oh, is I a really fantastic so one. She has a great voice. She does. And she has a great podcast. Yeah. Um, but that's an audiobook that I recommend to people. Yeah. My number one audiobook recommendation is the Flavia DeLuce Mysteries. Did I ever get you to listen to those? No, No. I still haven't listened to them. I should. Okay. They're so good. They're just funny and they're mysteries, which I don't normally love, but it's like a quirky 11-year-old British girl in the 1940s who loves chemistry, solving mysteries. They're so funny and the reader is so good. If I'm ever going on a car trip, I get the latest Flavia DeLuce mystery. Nice. In terms of nonfiction, so my fiction book that I recommend is Ready Player One. My nonfiction favorite is Quiet by Susan Cain. Mm. Um, and the subtitle is The Power of Introverts in a World That Won't Stop Talking. And I just love that book. I knew I was an introvert and reading it just the whole time I was nodding my head and just saying, yes, yes, that is exactly how I felt growing up in school. That's exactly how I felt in all these situations. And just having that knowledge, I feel like it helped me know myself better and also just understand people as a whole better, like the way that different people function in the world and to really see the value in both extroversion and introversion. Mm -hmm. She also has one that's specifically written for teens who are introverts about how to navigate a lot of those school situations. And I wish I had had that as a kid. I think that I was fairly confident in who I was. But if I had had more of the knowledge about that aspect of my personality, it just would have been really valuable. Do you have another category? If you could only take one book to a desert island, what book would you take? That's very hard. I feel like this is a question that people pose not infrequently, Mm -hmm. and I still don't have a great answer for it, because I think I would like a really long book Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that I would have more pages to read, but also something that's somewhat timeless. I really love Harry Potter, so I would say maybe the seventh Harry Potter, but that's not my favorite Harry Potter book, so I don't know. Maybe Cheryl Strait's book, Tiny Beautiful Things. That's a good one. I think that might be the one that I would want to take. Yeah. I don't have a solid answer on that. How about you, Abby? I think that I would take The Count of Monte Cristo Mm. because it's a really fantastic caper story. It's about escaping, which if you were stranded on a desert island might be nice and sort of uplifting, but it's really long and really fascinating. And it's one that I think you could read over and over again and get new things out of each time, like Tiny Beautiful Things. I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion about books and reading for today. And don't worry, listeners, we're always going to talk about books we're reading, and we'll have a special episode later on all about Harry Potter. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to what we're eating lately. 
we've had Thanksgiving, but how about something non-Thanksgiving related that you're eating? Well, this is sort of related to Thanksgiving in that I don't think we had enough hors d'oeuvres at Thanksgiving, so I've been craving them. We had really awesome Thanksgiving dinner, but not enough snacky food beforehand. And so I made this taco dip Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago because I was going to a party with yoga friends. And when I do that, most of the food needs to be gluten-free and most of it needs to be vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So taco dip was one that I thought of. And it's really easy. It's like a can of vegetarian refried beans, then pre-prepared guacamole, then sour cream mixed with chili powder, and then cheese on top. And you can put olives or corn or something on top if you want, and then just eat it with chips. And it's delicious. Yeah. I went through a phase where I was eating taco dip almost every day for lunch, that I would just make a little plate of that, almost exactly as you're describing. Yum. No guacamole, but the other stuff. And I've gotten out of it. It sounds really good again right now. Maybe I should get back into that. I highly recommend it. Mine is not Thanksgiving related, but it is holiday related. Yes. I have started a tradition of making Chex Mix the day after Thanksgiving while we are decorating our palette tree, which is just as it sounds. It is a palette on which we have painted a tree (laughs) and then hammered in nails. And it is our Christmas tree for reasons that maybe we'll get into on some sort of holiday episode. But for now, I'll just say that that's what we were decorating. We always had Chex Mix around the holiday time. Usually my family, it was closer to actual Christmas. I have a lot of memories of eating a bowl of Chex Mix for breakfast on Christmas morning while waiting for everybody else to get up so we could open stockings because real Christmas breakfast didn't start until after the stockings had been opened. So I think I'll make it again around Christmas time so I can have my Chex Mix Christmas breakfast. Yum. (laughs) But it's been great. My kids love it. And I don't like it with pretzels and peanuts. I just like the cereal. So that's how I make it, just with the cereal. So what sort of seasonings are in there? It's butter and then Worcestershire. Is that how you say it? Worcestershire sauce? Worcestershire sauce? I mean, you can say Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can't say it if you're me. But I think how people who live in the town called that, Uh pronounce it, is Worcester. Oh, Or Worcester. Yeah, I think that's something that I have probably always been mispronouncing. Anyway, you add that and seasoned salt. So it's very simple. You just melt butter, add those two things, pour it on the chucks, bake in the oven for about an hour and a half at 250, stirring every 15 minutes. So really low. Mm -hmm. And the stirring keeps it from burning. Yes, that's why. And then every time you can pull out some and eat it every 15 minutes to check on how it's doing. (laughs) Yeah, because you don't want anyone to get poisoned. (laughs) Obviously. And my kids really love it. HP calls it Chex-Mex, like Tex-Mex, <laughs> only with Chex. I love it. So, And it's already gone. We made a giant batch on Friday, and it was gone yesterday, which was Saturday. So it lasted maybe just over 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> what Chex do you put in there? Is it rice Chex and wheat Chex? And corn Chex. All the Chex. Yeah. This time because... Neil's sister-in-law is gluten-free. I just did the corn and the rice checks so Mm. that she would be able to eat some if she wanted to. But I normally also put it in wheat checks. Mm. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. If you'd like to join in the conversation or offer suggestions for future topics, you can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com. 
on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. But we've both been listening to the Harry Potter and the Divine Text podcast. Oh, yes. Sacred Text. Sorry. Sacred Text. And that has maybe that's why I haven't been able to find it on um, my (laughs) podcast app. Because I've been typing it in wrong all this time. (laughs) Thank you, Abby. I'm sorry. I should have said something sooner. But then it was like you had called it that so many times. that I was like, I should have been like. You know, the first time. Do you mean sacred text? Yeah, I think that is why I have not been able to find it.